dropped it. There we go. All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am uh, James. I am joined by my friend and co-host Jordan tonight. We are blessed with the presence of Texans underscore thoughts. Um, makes me feel good to know that I get to talk to you tonight about a really good game. Uh, probably feeling really good. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Then, uh, and then... You know, seven days later, it's like normal Texan stuff happens out of nowhere. But I, I will get into it. We'll talk about it. Obviously, tech, Jordan, let them know where they can follow you, even though they should know by now. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter, Texans underscore thoughts. Um, yeah, definitely check that out for sure. But yeah, I'm excited to be here, James. I'm, I'm doing well. i um, excited to talk about the game. Not so excited to talk about the news because, of course, that's that really brought us back down to to Texans reality. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, we're in Texansville now. Uh, you know, after you can't have too many great things. No. Uh, it's just not the way that the 2020 year is going for for Texans fans and Houston sports fans in general. Uh, not us necessarily outside of the Texans. We're pretty much good uh, everywhere else we go uh, as far as Laker Nation and things of that nature. Oh, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but still, Houston sports in general is just not in a good spot. But uh, welcome, everybody, to the stream. Glad you guys are here. Super excited. Make sure you guys hit uh, the click, like, and subscribe button. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HoustonFBPodGuy. Uh, if you guys need anybody to go after uh, for copying tweets or anything like that, oh. uh, I'll, I'll take them out, too. If, if they did it at Jordan, I'm going to do it. That's my boy. Uh, you know, little shots here and there. You guys can uh, follow our website at texansunfiltered.com. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, you didn't even know I was doing that, did you? I had no idea. I saw Aaron Rice's tweet and I was like, that that looks a little familiar. But like, I don't know. Personally, I'm not one to, to ruffle any feathers, to call anyone out. And I was just like, no. okay, you know what? Maybe it's just a coincidence. I, I like to think the best of people, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you having my back. Of course, you're going to defend me. Of course, that's what you do. You're my guy. Um, so yep. I do appreciate that for sure. Absolutely. No problem. Especially when somebody accuses us of doing the same things in an that's email. The and then it's the history. That's, it's the history. That's, that's really it. But um, all right. So let's get to the Lions game. I mean, what a way to spend a Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, touchdown great. bombs wherever you would want them to be. Deshaun, uh, just in like God mode from the snap, just and it, and it started off as like one of those weird games where only really the Lions and Texans could have like turnover, oh, yeah. fumble, Three interception. Turnovers. Yeah, it was just insane. Um, and then you know Deshaun comes and just does Deshaun things, and what can you do? I mean, that's, that's yeah, what Deshaun you know, does. In the in the beginning of the game, I was like, okay. This is the prime time Texans game. It's going to be ugly football. Like it's the first game of Thanksgiving. We're really, we're really going to come out here and, and shit the bed like that. Like we have had a reputation of doing in prime time games. But then, you know, here's the difference between this year's Texans team and, and the past is, like you said, Deshaun Watson. Like no matter how bad it's going, we have him to steer the ship correctly. And he definitely, he definitely calmed the team down, I think, and got us on that, on that winning path for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah, enough has been said. You know, our, our friend over at, you know, Martin over at Toro Times put a really nice piece together about Deshaun Watson's season. I don't think people realize just how great Deshaun has been this season. And it, it's really hard to, you know, really, you, you look at the record. So everybody always looks at the record and, and that's it. When they see the record, they judge it. It's like an album. Like when an album's coming out and it's teased on Tuesday, people go look at the features and the production and they assume 
that the album is going to be bad before it even comes out on Friday. I mean, that's pretty much what happens with, with the NFL team's record. If you're three and seven, um, yep. it, it's pretty much that everybody is bad on your team. There's no way for anybody to be good, let alone there's no way that anybody is great. And Deshaun is great this year in ever at every level of his game. He's gotten so much better. Remember when we started, you know, when you came on to Texans Unfiltered, my biggest critiques were like his anticipation, throwing yep. his wide receivers open, all those things. That's not a problem anymore. He's showing uh, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, what did you see? I know you 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 did a you did a video on your channel, uh, you know, breaking down the connection between him and Will Fuller. But what did you see on Thursday? I'm seeing a quarterback who, like you said, he he may have had a few flaws going into this season, but he has clearly worked very hard to perfect them. Throwing with anticipation, he's making multiple progressions. That's the biggest thing for me because that's something that you learn as a quarterback as you um, gain more experience through the NFL. And especially when you're a young quarterback and you have a stud uh, superstar wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, like we even we even thought about it. Like, is he is he kind of just focusing on Hopkins? Um, is that kind of where he's just focused on in his first read? And now with Hopkins gone, like, is he going to make these next progressions? And, and we're seeing it. We are seeing it for sure. He's going through his second, third, and I'm even seeing fourth progressions at time yep. where when he has the time to do so, when the offensive line holds it down, like he can, he will make those reads. And so his, his knowledge of the game, his understanding of defenses, it's at the highest level that he's ever played at right now. And when we're going up against shitty defenses, like the lions and like the Patriots, like Deshaun Watson is going to play a damn near perfect game. And you can count on that. And we have not had that kind of comfortability and, and understanding with our quarterback position in, in honestly forever. Um, and so, yeah, Deshaun, he played a hell of a game. His connection with Will Fuller, like I broke down is it's amazing. I think they're one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the entire NFL. And, and I'm sure we'll get to the news eventually, but I think that that connection is not something that you want to break up. It I is agree. very rare to find, especially with how dynamic of a player that Will Fuller is, where every single play you have to be aware of the threat that he is going to burn you for a, a huge touchdown. So that is very hard to find. Um, but yeah, I think he played a damn near perfect game. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, you, you pretty much said it as, as well as anybody could say it. Honestly, I don't even think Quincy Avery himself could have said it any better. <laughs> I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson is, um, you know, uh, he... Look, you know, I, I, hot take at the beginning of the year where I said that I, I, I felt he was a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And when you look at what he's doing this year, sure, it hasn't translated to wins. And you can yeah. say it's him, uh, but that just means you're not watching because it, it's been the defense that has lost us games more than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson hasn't lost us a game. No. Technically, you could say Cleveland, right? But that was 35 mile an hour wins. Baker wasn't throwing either. They had a better run game. That was the reason why they were able to beat us. If we had a some, if we had an average run game, we would have won that game as well. Um, Deshaun is playing at an MVP level. It's just the win loss record is not there to show it. But um, I, I, I mean, I don't know if he can get better. You know, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if there's areas for him to get better. We'll find out this week. This is a great yeah. week to really understand where Deshaun is in his career because this defense is a defense that has always given Deshaun problems. He's never really carved up the Colts since you know since coming into the league. He's he's always had struggles. Eberflus is really good at disguising coverages, making you think a couple times before going through your progressions, uh, checking in and out of plays. Um, Eberflus is good at that. So this will be a great week uh, for one to get a peek at a potential head coaching candidate, and then two to also see what Deshaun's going to do 
against a top tier defense. And I would probably say, I think I'd say the best defense in the league, at least in my opinion. They're playing like it. They honestly, they have the potential to be. They, when they're all healthy, they for sure can be a top one to top three defense. Last week, people yeah. are going to be like, oh, they gave up 40 something to the Titans. They were out like three or four starters. So I don't even want to talk about that game. You look at the rest of their season and what they've done, especially against the top team like the Packers. And yeah, the Colts defense needs to be, um, what's the word? Respected, respected. Um, like you said, like this is a perfect test for us because Deshaun, yeah, he's balled out against the Jags, the Lions, the Pats. Like, yeah, shitty defenses. Sure, he's done what he's supposed to do. And that, yeah, that deserves some credit. But let's see him do it against the elite defenses. Let's see him do it against the Colts two times and the Bears, who still have a great defense, albeit a horrible offense. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. This is the big test because, like you said, like, what can he do better? And I believe someone even asked that question is like, what, what can he improve on going forward? And it's really just number one is consistency, and number two is yep. showing up in big games. Show up when you have to play against a top five defense. Let's see it. Let's see you elevate the talent around you, especially without a wide receiver one. I don't expect him to have a similar game to the last two that we've seen versus the Colts. Number one, because it's the Colts. Number two, yeah. because he's lost Will Fuller. He's lost Randall Cobb. So I don't expect him to ball out. But if he does, oh my God. Oh my God. There can not be any more questions about him as a talent and as a quarterback. That's how I personally feel. Well, I think to put into perspective the way that Deshaun is playing, you know, in years past when J.J. Watt would have a play like he had on Thanksgiving, the talk is typically about J.J. Watt. Usually yeah. it's what an amazing defensive end, what a, a generational oh, talent. Yeah. You hear all the buzzwords when J.J. makes plays like that. And what we're seeing now is the national media is starting to pay more attention to Deshaun Watson and the game that he's playing and, and the level he's playing at. And I think that really speaks to the level of Deshaun Watson and where he's at because, you know, J.J. Watt is, we all know, he's a, um, he's a, a wet dream when it comes to commercials and marketing and things of that nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you look for. But when, you're, when that isn't even brought up the day after the game and it's all about Deshaun Watson, I think it really speaks to how great Deshaun Watson has been and how great Deshaun Watson is. And I agree with you. Come Sunday against the Colts, it's going to be very interesting. No Will Fuller. Obviously, with Will Fuller being suspended for the rest of the season with PEDs, no Randall Cobb, and then also no Kenny Stills because he was released yep. last week. So we're down to Cooks, Kiki, Coulter, uh, Stephen Mitchell. I think the part that people are forgetting, though, Jordan, and just correct me if I'm wrong, uh, or tell me your thoughts, but I think it's Aiken's season on Sunday. I, I think you're I think he's going to have a game. I don't think people realize how good Akins is going to be this week because he's the last familiar target on the roster right now. I think you're absolutely right. I think this season you've seen Deshaun and Akins. Maybe they're not, he's not always calling his number like a Mahomes Kelsey connection, but when he calls his number, Akins is always there for him. And you've been yeah. the arguably the largest proponent of Akins. That's your guy, uh, tight end one, whatnot. Um, and so I do, I do agree with you. I think when we are without Fuller, we're going to go to more two tight end sets. We're going to go to more of the quick game. We're going to lose some of that deep threat ability but we're going to focus on the rpo game the tight ends and akins should be the main benefactor of that and if you look at the colts like 
Are they going to line up Darius Leonard against him? Are they going to give him a safety? We don't know for sure, but we know that he's an athletic mismatch weapon. And he, if the, if Tim Kelly is a smart man, if he is, if he, if he is what we thought that he was potentially before the end of the season, and if he is what he's showing to be without Bill O'Brien, he should know that Jordan Akins is his best mismatch option for sure. And really quickly to touch on your, your whole point about like, yeah, JJ Watts pick six. That was basically like swept under the rug. <laughs> like you did not see that blown up on like the major media sports outlets whatsoever. And I think it really illustrates a passing of the torch for the Texans organization from JJ Watt, who, like you said, was a marketable star to Deshaun Watson, who is another marketable star and will be continue hopefully to get the attention that he deserves. But yeah, this next game, I think, and for the, I guess the rest of the season, it should be Aiken's season for sure. He deserves a large um, share of the targets. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see because if they do decide to put Kari Willis on uh, on on Jordan Akins, I wonder if Coulter is going to slip by. I, I wonder if you know that means that they'll likely be playing a single high, uh, and that'll leave Cooks on the left and possibly, hopefully, Coulter on the right. You know, mm-hmm. it could be Stephen Mitchell, it could be Chad Hansen. We're all hoping it's Coulter. Me and you specifically are hoping it's Coulter because we've done a lot of scouting on Coulter. You've yeah. talked to Coulter. We know we know what his skill set is and how he could fit this team. Um, we just have to hope that you know the, you know he he. I mean, God, what the only offensive rookie snap that we have is one from Charlie Heck. So um, you know we have to hope that that's going to be the case and that. Oh God, sorry guys, my green screen. So like I had to move, and it's a long story. But like my son came home and I can't figure out my green screen. It's, green screening is about lighting. Um, Anyways, what I was going to say was Car- if Kari Willis is on Aikens, you have Cooks on the outside. No matter who is on the right, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to slip a deep ball in there um, with Kari Willis coming down, covering Jordan Aikens, um, and getting another guy deep. I-, I do think that we have the personnel to do it. You just have to wonder, you know, are they um, are they going to grab? Are they going to catch the ball? Are they you know are they going to run the right routes? Are they going to be in sync with Deshaun? That's really what it's going to boil down to. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into the Colts a little bit later. What would you take away from the defensive performance, though, against the Lions? I mean, I, I hate to say this because I haven't said it all year, but that was the best coverage performance we've seen from that secondary all year. Yeah, I think... Uh, the bar's low, <laughs> but it's still the best. I think, yeah. You know, if you were to rank the games this year in terms of how much I want to pull my damn hair out because of Vernon Hargis and Philip Gaines, yeah, yeah, this one's near the bottom for sure. I don't think Matthew Stafford and and their weapons were able to kind of take advantage of our secondary like other teams have been able to. And and part of that is because Kenny Galladay was out. Um, And so I think they had, they had a good day in that sense. Um, I thought that the run defense at times, at times it it gave me hope. It gave me like, okay, yeah, yeah. It looks like they kind of figured this out. It looks like they're playing a little bit more disciplined. It looks like they're finally getting off blocks and making tackles. But we're just not seeing the consistency throughout four quarters, which you need to be a winning football team. Um, So in terms of the defense, I think there's some personal, there's some, yeah, there's some personal performances that are to, that we should highlight. And, and that is Tyrell Adams. I think his, his 17 tackles, I think it was 14 solo that of course, that's going to jump out and surprise you when you look at the box scores. And when you look at the film, you see, you see the stats are, are kind of matching the film here where he's doing his job as a Mike linebacker. And especially in our system, his job is to basically just take on blocks and to clean shit up. 
that's his role as a Mike linebacker. That's what BMAC does. Um, and so he's going to take on blocks. So he's going to allow Cunningham to be free and go get the running back. And he's also going to clean up from other guys if they miss tackles. Um, and in coverage, he's going to keep things in front of him and he'll make tackles there as well. So he's a tackle monster. He's proving that he can kind of take over BMAC's role. And, you know, maybe he's not 100% on BMAC. Maybe he is 75%, 80%. But when you talk about paying him a fraction, of what you're paying Benardrick McKinney, that is worth it. That is worth it all day long because you cannot be paying two linebackers what we're paying them currently. And you cannot be paying two linebackers who do not cover, who do not cover well. And so, yeah, Tyrell Adams still does not cover well, but we're paying him less. And so I'm okay with him being out there on the field and, and he's doing his role. I think he still has the potential to grow and improve for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely happy with him. He was my big bright spot on the defense. What about you? Yeah, no, I think Adams definitely um, was a bright spot. I mean, when you see a guy come in, you know, it's funny because Rivers McCown posted, he wrote a great article to release it today about what he looks for in a head coaching candidate and hoping what um, others look for. Yep. And uh, in that, in that, in that uh, article, there's a clip of Bill O'Brien at the combine talking about, um, you know, uh, I forgot the name blue collar guys, basically guys that come to work and do his job and Deandre Carter, there's a couple others mentioned, but the one that that is mentioned that actually stands out now is Tyrell Adams, as the rest aren't even anything on the team. I think he mentions Brendan Scarlett and things of that nature. Uh, they're basically non-existent. But Tyrell Adams really is a guy that is coming into his own, um, and it's going to be very interesting to see because you know whenever the new regime comes in, they're going to have a lot of options as far as what they're going to do to create cap space and 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 give other players shots and i would think that if they turn on the t the film for this year they can see that zach and and tyrell are 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 guys that they should that they should be paired together for the next three to four years tyrell adams right now reminds me of uh cunningham's rookie year hmm. uh in the sense zach you know i know zach's not having the best year um you know he's doing a lot of stand-up tackling and, and things of that nature i'm not sure where that's coming from that'll be coached out of him next year. Cause he's shown that that's not his game, but um, these two are a good middle. They're a good linebacking core to build around and they both can do different things. Um, I'm excited about what that looks like. Uh, you know, for me, um, Justin Reed is, played another great game for his second, for his second week in a row. I thought this was yeah. another game where we saw Justin Reed uh, kind of comfortable again uh, and look like the, the safety that we've, we've grown to love and want to see that we haven't seen on a consistent basis this year. Um, he's playing with his hair on fire. He's all in the backfield. Um, he's blitzing like crazy, uh, props to Weaver, um, this game for, and the end of game before for just kind of doing some of the stuff that he talked about in the off season. Yeah, it seems that control has kind of kind of gone back to him. Um, and then Lonnie, you know, I know Lonnie gets lost in a lot. Lonnie gets a lot of hate. Lonnie gets, you know, no praise pretty much from anybody because, uh, the, the organization has pretty much just completely screwed up his development as a player. Um, you know, he even did an interview the other day where he said that, you know, all off season, he worked as a corner. He, that's what he worked on. And when he came in, uh, they told him that they liked him to play safety and they had no idea what he was doing in the off season. That, 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 that tells you two things. One, it tells you how disconnected the franchise was from a coaching perspective on what a player was working on. And two, it shows a lack of communication to your second round pick out of Kentucky who, you know, didn't have a chance last year and then went and put forth the effort to be better this year. And you never gave him a chance to do it. Um, Lonnie's playing better at safety. He, he, he's starting to understand his roles and responsibilities, which is a big part of playing safety. 
Um, and I think, you know, he'll, st- he'll, he'll put it together. He's a great player. He's a, he's an aggressive guy. He's, he's somebody that, you know, we want to see succeed, but I, I think Lonnie is getting a ton of hate and doesn't deserve really any of it given the situation. Oh yeah. They, like you said, they are, they are borderline like ruining his development with the move that they've been making for sure. And, and I didn't know if it was official yet or not, but you just confirmed and he did the interview that how the hell are the coaches going to tell him to do one thing and, and, and they're going to end up showing him another thing at the end of, at the end of the off season. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. That is not using your resources and, and your assets um, wisely for sure. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see what Lonnie can do with a full off season where he's actually learning to play the position that he's playing out there on the field. Yeah. Like, that is insane. Like if someone trains you to do one job and then you do an entirely different one when you're there out on the day, like that is insane. Um, of course, you're not going to be 100% great at your job. Um, so yeah, it, it'll definitely, I think we need to preach more patience with him. Yeah, we wanted him to be this breakout cornerback this year, but the situation's changed and we've got to be more patient with him. Um, but yeah, with Jay Reed, I'm with you. I think he's he's showing his aggressiveness as a as a box safety and that he can succeed in that role he's not missing tackles he's coming in on blitzes he's finishing plays off he's making impact tackle for losses stuff like that i was definitely happy with him um in his performance i think uh the last thing yeah last thing about tyrell adams just to go back to that point is like and, and it's really with both our linebackers and to talk about zach cunningham's struggles quote unquote struggles throughout this year and, and a lot of it is is our interior defensive line like interior defensive line and linebacker play, they go hand in hand. And so if the interior defensive line is going to struggle, your linebackers are going to struggle. Yeah. And when I'm watching the film, like there's so basically every play an offensive lineman is getting to the second level and is getting to block Tyrell Adams or Zach Cunningham. It's always at least one of them. And sometimes it's both. And so if one of them is going to get blocked, like the run game is just, they're going to get like four or five yards. If both of them get blocked, that's what happens. And that's what turns into big plays. Um, and so I even I was tracking all the tackles that Tyrell Adams made throughout the throughout the Lions game, and he made a shit ton. But what I was looking at is the average depth of tackle for each, um, yeah, for each tackle. Um, and so for his run stops, they happened an average of four point five yards downfield. And so that's not what you want, right? That's like you don't want to be giving up four point five yards per carry. And so it's great he got seventeen tackles, but then when you look at it, like. 4.5 yards, not what you want. In the passing game, it was 11.4. And so there, I don't, I don't like, that's just kind of part more scheme yeah. stuff. But with the running game in particular, like he's making these tackles, he's doing his job. But like at the end of the day, the interior defensive line has to help him out and that will make him look even better. And that will make that tackle depth look even better for him and for Cunningham. And so I think we definitely need to be making a lot of changes for the interior defensive line. Sorry for going a little off topic there, but. No, no, no. I don't think it's off topic. I think really what you, what it, what it says is, and I saw the same thing on film. What what it says is is that if a if a defensive coordinator can come in here and and fix the fundamental issues that this defensive line lacks and can't play consistently, um, you can get to a twenty two to twenty one. 23 ranked defense yeah. with the current roster. Um, and that's with you know, no, no draft picks and no cap, you know, or no free agency at no free agents added. But um, no, I agree. I mean, it's really hard to do your job as a linebacker when you have two linemen at the second level. Um, and, and that's been happening all year. It's not like it was just like this last game or the Patriots yep. game. I mean, this has been happening all year and that's my biggest concern against when, when we get to the Colts is, is really just the fact that we are, are so bad when it comes to 
our defensive line play, our, our gap discipline, and 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 the just the patience that is needed for them to be able to stop the run. Um, not that they're an explosive run team, but they do a lot of different things and they can get creative on the run and get guys in space. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't think you ran over at all. I think that's exactly what we needed to to mention. Um, little nugget here off topic. Uh, sub seven. Then why didn't he catch that third down four yard pass? What, uh, his one target all by himself. And then Jordan, we you you and I didn't talk about this, so this will be interesting to see where you where you sit. Um, the two throws to Aikens in the TDs. If you had to put blame on anybody, who would you put the blame on? Not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything. Okay, so on the on the deep ball where yep. it was a little bit underthrown, and the defender got his hand on that. Yeah, I'm putting that on on Watson. Wait, okay, yeah, the one because he had. Yeah, there's some blame to go for both of them, but sure. I am putting that on Watson. I think Watson should have let him down. You know, it's it's so he hard been over the it's, shoulder. Yeah, and it's a game of inches with that, and he's been yeah. perfect like the rest of the game. And that's just the one throw that he really like he could have had and throwed it a little bit more over the shoulder, outside leverage, a little bit farther down, like six inches, and that's it, and that's a touchdown. Um, but to play devil's advocate for that particular throw, and we'll get to the next one later, but to play devil's advocate, like Aikens is supposed to come back to the ball and mm-hmm. he's supposed to attack that and he's supposed to high point that. And if he goes back and attacks the ball, he runs into the defender and the defender is going to get called for DPI nine times out of 10. And so I get where people are coming from, from that perspective, but it's hard to make that decision um, in the heat of the moment, especially when you're Aikens and, and they don't throw a lot of like fade balls up to him. So he's not put in that situation a lot where he knows exactly what to do 10 times out of 10. And so for me, that one's on Deshaun. And then the second one, but like, like I said, there is some blame to go for both, but the second one, um, the goal line where I think it was on the goal line and it was just, just out of his fingertips. That one's purely on Deshaun for me, I think. Um, yeah, yeah he got his fingertips on it, but like, that's a very, very tough catch. He put a lot of heat on it. If I remember a lot of heat. Yeah. A lot of unnecessary heat. And I know he was trying to get the ball out quickly. Cause there is some, there's some heat yep. in his face. Um, so I get where he's coming from, but I think that one was on him as well. I don't think any of the other tight ends on this roster would have caught that maybe fells because he has the height advantage and the catch radius. But um, yeah, personally, if I had to assign blame, it would be majority Deshaun um, for both of those. But there is on the first one at least there is some for Aikens. On the second one, I don't think really. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, and so that's that's exactly where I'm at. I think Aikens, if you look at the tape, it looks like he's looking left before. So I think he's like thinking that it's coming over shoulder possibly. Then he turns and sees that he has to turn around to make a play on the ball. Um, you know, I, either way, I, I'll put probably b- responsibility on both for that because you're right. He needs yeah. to be able to attack the point of the ball, um, and, and he didn't. And then on the goal line, look. Deshaun just threw a laser. I mean, it literally, if yeah. you guys go back and watch, it literally was a laser. I mean, that, that ball was flying out of his hand. Um, and it's not just like, just so everybody knows, like Deshaun's going to make mistakes. We just praised him for a solid 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Deshaun's going to make some mistakes. Every quarterback does. Uh, but he even admitted it after the game saying that he would have had two more had he had hit Aikens in the right way. So yeah. um, I, I don't know. I just, I just find it funny that people are still in the college train. Look, if if Kahale wants to shine, this is the week that he has the opportunity to do it. They're, Jordan's 100% correct. They're going to play a ton of two tight end sets. There are a lot. There's going to be a lot of t- two tight end sets in this game. It's going to be a lot of 12 formation. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kahale gets a lot of that, given the game that Farrell Brown had this last week. He was not very good. 
uh, meant a lot of mental mistakes. Ton- you know, I think it was two penalties. Um, so yeah. Kahali probably will have his chance this week. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I think, I think Aikens and Fells should be the two right now, but that's just me. Yeah. I definitely think he'll get his chances because of, we kind of have to analyze like where and when he got his snaps with the Lions game. Like, it's yeah. not like they just threw him in in garbage no. time in the fourth quarter. He was out there on the first drive. I'm pretty sure. Yep. And he had, I think it was only four snaps in total. Um, yep. I watched two of them. I watched the one where he dropped the pass and, and yeah, it was a little bit behind him, but it was, it wasn't the same type of throw that Aikens had where it's, it's way out in front. Um, so he, he definitely should have caught that one. And then another rep I watched, he was running an out route and I really liked what I saw. I, I saw some good quickness. I got some, I saw some good juice out of the route um, and he was open, but it is what it is. And I think seeing him that early in the game, it really um, speaks to kind of the youth movement that the Texans are going on. And I do think he should get a chance um, versus the Colts. I think like saying like, Oh, if he was in there so early, like why did he only get four snaps versus the Lions? Like, I think that's because like he dropped the pass. Like you gotta, you gotta kind of got to punish a rookie um, and for that type of rookie mistake, you can't just let him, um, carry on with that you know what i mean so i i, I kind of get where they're going but he should get more snaps versus the the colts yeah i would agree i think i think him and and akins will likely get them a, a majority of snaps especially if kahali can come in and, and capitalize on the targets and and get open early i think it'll be interesting to see where where they line up um all right so uh yeah i mean that's pretty much a good recap of the lions game yeah. anything else you want to mention about the lions game anything else you we didn't discuss the mm. lack of run game i mean duke johnson being used on that wheel route on the on the double move oh yeah that one yeah the double move that was great um it's funny because i think it was versus the ravens game and david johnson had that exact same opportunity on that exact same double move and i see a lot of people talk about like oh whenever we go five wide we never throw it to our running back like finally we hit it and that first time with david like david or deshaun watson just barely overthrew it but i guess he has more continuity and more practice with duke where he he's not going to miss that throw a second time and i think it was great to see that they're getting duke involved in the passing game you know it took him a year and a half to damn realize he's one of the best passing um pass catching running backs in the entire nfl but uh, god damn it tim kelly finally realized it, and hopefully hopefully that's a trend going forward for the rest of the season and not just a one game kind of obscurity. Um, but yeah, always great to see Duke uh, thrive. So any, any thoughts with the potential of DJ coming back this week from the run game perspective? Um, first of all, you're playing a terrible team to come back to if you're, if you're trying to get the, run, the ground game going, but um you know, I, I wonder if, you know, will we see some more of those two two back sets and will we use them both in the passing game now maybe? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the potential of David Johnson coming back and seeing some different things? Um, I think the biggest thing with this, with David Johnson coming back is just to spell Duke Johnson and yeah. whoever really is going to be running back one because the games where either of them has been injured, like the other person has to play 95 plus percent of the snaps. Like right. Buddy Howell is going to come in here for four snaps and that's not really going to do much. You want your running backs to have enough juice to where they're not going to be getting gassed later in the game. And so I think if we can split the snap share, that's going to be the biggest beneficiary of Duke, of David Johnson coming back. Um, what else was I going to say? I think, oh yeah. So with the two running back sets, like, like you mentioned, I think Tim Kelly right now, he's at a period where this is his tryout. This is tryout, not necessarily for the Texans, but for any, every other team in the NFL. 
And so if he's a smart man, he should be throwing everything at the wall, everything at the Colts and trying to see what is going to work. He should be trying his most creative plays. He should be trying this two running back sets to try and show the rest of the NFL that, hey, I got some creativity in me. I can elevate this this roster that just lost their wide receiver one and can still throw up a fight against an elite defense. So I hope I hope we see the two running back sets and some more creativity that they might have planned for in the offseason, but we don't know for sure. Um, that's what I would do if I was Tim Kelly, but I'm not Tim Kelly. Thoughts on Tim Kelly so far, though, over these, you know, it, it, it's been an interesting ride since O'Brien was fired. I mean, it hasn't been a flawless ride. Uh, you know, the force mm-hmm. of the run game, it seems like the presence of Bill O'Brien is still in his head when it comes to the run game. But but when it comes to this passing offense and the, and the scheme, um, it seems to be developing week over week in, in a much better place. You're seeing... The spacing of the routes are a lot different. Um, it, it seems that he's scheming certain players open at times. What are your thoughts on Tim Kelly at this point? I mean, you're right. He's not. He's likely not going to be back here. I'll say this. Based on these last three weeks, if I had to choose, if I had to choose one coordinator to come back next year, I'd probably choose Tim Kelly over Anthony Weaver. Um, but what are your thoughts on Tim Kelly so far? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big proponent of like results not results, but like um, what he's actually like gotten this team to do basically. And so I'm looking at the schedule here. And since Bill Brown was fired, you got 30 points against the Jags, 36 against the Titans, 20 against the Packers. That's a dud. 27 against the Jags again, seven versus the Browns. That's another dud. 27 versus the Pats and 41 versus the Lions. So you've got one, two, three, four, five good games and then two bad games. And one of those bad games was that weather game, like we talked against the Browns. And so, yeah, he's he's definitely he's showing some more things since Bill O'Brien has been gone. I think you're seeing the main differences that I've noticed from a Bill O'Brien offense to a Tim Kelly offense is Sean having more control over the offense. He's making a lot more um, audibles pre-snap and even after the snap, as we saw last week. Um, they're going to a lot more five wide, which is exactly where Deshaun Watson thrives. They're doing um, just more. They're they aren't as like predictable as before. I feel like they're spreading the ball around, um, and they're also like in in these last two weeks, we're seeing a little bit more of of Tim Kelly's willingness to kind of abandon the run game more so in the Pats game than in the Lions game, but even the Lions game a little bit too. And so that's that's the main thing for me. I think I like someone who can who understands his personnel and what we do well and what we don't do well. And if he sees something that's not doing well, he'll abandon it and he's willing to do that. And Bill O'Brien was never willing to do that in his seven years here. So um, I like Tim Kelly, like you said, like he's, he's definitely kind of emerging more. Um, but at the end of the day, this is his first year as an offensive coordinator. Um, I wouldn't bring him back unless it's under a, a like a, like an assistant role. I wouldn't make him OC. I wouldn't make him head coach. But if he wants to be an offensive assistant and kind of help the new offensive coordinator, sure. Because he has he has shown some things for sure. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's nice to see that, you know, a guy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big on on underdog stories. And, and when you look at his resume, uh, he shouldn't be calling plays in the NFL. <laughs> um, he, he just shouldn't. Uh, he has no reason to be in an offensive coordinator position and um, but he is and and what he's doing with this offense given the struggles of the offensive line and Mike Devlin um, you know you have to what, what I don't think people realize about the run game is you still have to have it you yeah. can't drop you can't drop Deshaun back and empty and and five wide all, all every every snap you just can't that's 
they're, they're going to eat Deshaun alive. That's not, that's not the way it works. And so the Seahawks he, are learning that. Yeah. The Seahawks are literally learning that right now. So um, you, you have to, you have to at least try to establish some sort of run game, but the fact that he's able to um, go away from it when he sees that it's not working and is, is calling great plays against, you know, and defenses, but still great plays and great schemes. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's enlightening. It's nice to see a guy who, you know, maybe he won't be an OC next year, but he's going to land on an on a on a on a coaching staff somewhere on an, on the offense, and he's going to do something. And who knows where he'll be at? But he got out of Bill O'Brien's shadows, and I think it's cool to see some guy who probably wasn't supposed to be doing what he's doing doing a pretty damn good job. Yeah, I think what you said, like it's still good to see him um, like finish these layups basically like, yeah, he's going against these bad defenses, but he's executing and he's putting his players in a position to succeed. It's not just like we're completely beating up on them because of a pure talent standpoint, Like He's still running good creative plays um, to put us in an advantage. And so, but yeah, the big test is definitely these next three weeks. Can he overcome a a talent deficit deficit for sure? And he's overcoming a shitty, you know, offensive line coach who can't get his shit together and get his players to play on a consistent yep. basis, which I don't think people understand either. Yeah, definitely. I think he's found be- to kind of help that to kind of help the offensive line. I think he's found a good balance between the quick game, but also taking your deep shots because an entire offense cannot be revolved around a quick game unless you're Tom Brady with Bill Belichick, and that's just like a once in a lifetime kind of team and roster. Um, but you need to have these deep throws to make your offense more efficient and that's really how we've been able to succeed is take what the defense gives you at times but then when they give you that occasional look like be aggressive and and go for it and take that bomb um for sure and i think he's found a a pretty good balance at that definitely better than bill o'brien yeah i would agree all right uh the news of the week the news of yesterday and it was just like pouring on it was kind of insane (sighs) really when you think about it uh so at first uh will fuller post on instagram how he will be suspended for the next six games. There's only five games left in the season. He will miss uh, the the first week of the 2021 NFL season. Uh, he says that he talked to a doctor. And he thought that it was an approved substance on the uh, substance list. Didn't uh, got banned, got tested. Uh, now is suspended. And then, not but like an hour and a half later, uh, Bradley Roby, uh, same thing, same situation. PEDs suspended for six games and uh, will miss the opening of the 2021 season. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. You know, Fuller's been healthy all year. Um, and you have to wonder, you know, how much of that plays a part. We don't know what he took. We don't know what the substance was. We don't know if it was PEDs. We don't know if it was just an illegal substance. We really aren't going to know the details of what it was and what it did. Um, but do you think that we saw the last snap of Will Fuller in a Texans jersey? I Not think do you a, want, do you think? I don't know. It's so hard to say right now because we do not know the vision of the future GM. We do not know the vision of the future head coach. If I was putting money on it, I would say we... We did not see the last snap of Fuller in a Texans jersey because of his connection with Deshaun Watson. And I think I think Cal McNair has said that Deshaun is gonna have like a say, somewhat of a say in the in the head coach um search at least. And so I think he'll have somewhat of a say in the personnel decisions 
particularly wide receivers, maybe not defense, maybe not offensive line, maybe not running backs, but at least the guys that he wants to throw to. And the connection that he's built with Will Fuller is special. We've seen it. We've seen him already lose DeAndre Hopkins. We don't want to see him lose another wide receiver one for him. And so personally, I don't think that Will Fuller um, is going to be in a different jersey, at least for next year. I think what they should do, if they hire a smart GM, I think they should franchise tag him. I think that's what they would do. Give him that another year to prove himself yet again. One more year that you can play 16 games. You can play 16 games at a wide receiver one level. Um, and if he does that, then sure, give him whatever money he wants. But right now, he can't he can't ask for a big deal right now. He does not have the leverage whatsoever because, number one, people are going to say he's injury prone. Number two, people are going to say that he hasn't played a full 16-game season. Number three, people are going to say, oh, how can we trust you to build a culture when you're taking PEDs? And so with this news, he's lost a lot of leverage. And I feel bad for him because I love the dude. I want to see him on our team. But he's definitely lost a lot of leverage and a lot of money um, for the Texans or for whatever future team that he's going to play for. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think it's interesting when you talk about the franchise tag, because I think that that's the right path to go on for a couple of reasons. One, it, it gives you the opportunity to keep him on the team. And then two, it also gives you the opportunity to kind of talk to Will a little bit more than, than what you would in free agency and, and ask if this is something he wants to be a part of. It gives him an, a, a way to experiment with the new regime uh, given that he was somewhat burned from being in trade discussions and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure the trust from a lot of players probably isn't there uh, with the organization at this time, just given what we've seen uh, during the Bill O'Brien tenure and towards the end. Um, and if they can't work on a long-term deal or he isn't bought in, you can trade Will Fuller um, under the franchise tag and, and potentially get something back in return. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's all going to be dependent on the on the head coach and the, and the general manager. I think that he will be here. I think it's going to be very hard for you to sell that we're going to be competitive to Deshaun Watson when you only have Kiki and Randall Cobb yeah. and Isaiah Coulter. Um, sure, those guys, I mean, look, those aren't like guys to laugh at. Randall Cobb in the slot is a good slot wide receiver. He's been good for this team this year. I think he's on. he was on pace to have like a 900-yard season before he mm. got hurt. Um, and then, you know, Kiki's get coming into his own. We don't know what Coulter would be, but at the end, at the end of the day, you want to have some stability. And that's one thing that I've always, it's a word I've been, you yeah. know, really thinking about because it, it's something that Deshaun started to talk about at when Bill O'Brien was fired. And it makes a ton of sense. You know, you see what these other franchise quarterbacks, uh, you know, what the good ones get to deal with. Uh, and a lot of it is stability and, I think that's what he's looking for. So I think, you know, you losing Fuller, I think it's going to put you in a bad situation with Deshaun Watson. And I just don't think you should do it. I think franchise tag, or maybe he bets on himself and maybe he signs a one-year deal. I'm not really sure, but um, I don't think that we see in the last of Will Fuller. Yeah, I definitely just think that any any long-term deal is definitely out of the out of the conversation, I think. Like you said, For like maybe sides. it's a one-year, two-year deal where he, it's a prove-it deal. Maybe we give him something to similar to what we gave Bradley Roby, um, a big one-year deal, and and that's basically going to be the same as a franchise tag. But yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think it's it's off the table for both sides. Uh, it, look, I do think, you know, I was talking to my buddy the other day. He thinks that a team will pay him top 10 money. Mm. Uh, and and I, I'm sure there is a team that will pay him top 10 money. But does he want to go play for the Jets? Does he want to go yeah. play for, you know, you know, where does he want to go? And um, I think he likes the chemistry he's built with Deshaun. And I think he'll bet on himself for one year, whether it be a one-year deal or the franchise tag. I think that's ideal. 
Um, and then with Brandon Cooks, you know, I see a lot of talk about Brandon Cooks. I, I think they'll restructure that deal. Um, he doesn't have any guaranteed money left. Uh, and and you're going to want to keep him on the team too. Um, it'll be interesting. Do they choose Brandon Cooks over Will Fuller or do they choose Will Fuller over Brandon Cooks? You can cut Brandon Cooks and, and have no money lost. You could yep. literally take that money and put it straight into Will Fuller for one year. Um, but is that a smart recipe? considering what we've seen from Will Fuller and his lack of being able to stay healthy on a team. I mean, say what you want about Brandon Cooks, but he doesn't tend to miss many games. And um, which would you rather have? I guess right now, yeah, Jordan, which would you rather have? Uh, would you rather have Will Fuller at $14 million or Brandon Cooks at $14 million? Are we talking about one year or? Next year, just next year. Just one year. <sighs> it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I'd probably, I'd probably go with Will Fuller. Me too. I think the ceiling is high, is higher there, um, and I think like Brandon Cooks, he's a great wide receiver. I think he really, really excels in that wide receiver two role, like we're seeing this year. Um, but I think wide, wide receiver one is pretty hard to find nowadays, unless you're picking really high in the draft, or unless you've got a tons of of salary cap. But Will Fuller, we've already got him on the roster. We found him and that chemistry with Deshaun that he's been developing over the years. Like it's very special. And so I would take him. Um, but with the whole Cook situation, yeah, restructuring his contract, I think that's a necessity if we do want to keep him. Um, because right now he's the only guaranteed money that he is owed is actually from the Rams. It's not even yep. from the Texans. Yep. He's owed 20 million guaranteed over the next three years. And that's like around 6.67 million per year. And so what we could do is instead of him having a cap hit, I think it's of 13, then 14, then 15 million in the next three years, we could take that out and give him guaranteed money instead. Maybe yep. bump that guaranteed money, which at, which is at 6.67 APY, bump that up to maybe 9, 10 million a year. And yep. that could be better for someone like him. He could be appealed to that because because of his concussions. Um, and so he might want guaranteed money over over just the other the higher dollars with the cap hit. So I think that's a, a path for us for sure. I, I also think that with this wide receiving core, when you look at it, uh, if you could keep those two guys, I think it, I think I think you want to. I, I think you want to do everything you can to have both guys on the field. Um, I, I think they add a certain dynamic to it, no matter who the head coach is. Um, they add so many different things and, and they're so versatile and flexible within the scheme that you can really put them in a lot of different positions and it gives you a ton of flexibility from a coaching perspective. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Bradley Roby, uh, suspended as well. You know, he has no more guaranteed money, I guess, uh, from what I saw. Um, I didn't look at the contract. I just saw it on Twitter. Do do you see a scenario where Bradley Roby's not back next year? I definitely do. I think it's I getting do too. Yeah, I think it's getting increasingly increasingly likely because this is his his second strike. He was um suspended for one game earlier in the season and now this it's it's not a good look especially especially if Joke Easterby is is going to continue to be in this organization and how he's going to preach culture and whatnot. And so I think you want him on your team. Bradley Roby has been the best cornerback for the Houston Texans this season. And, and maybe that's not saying a lot, but he's still been, he's been very good at his job. And especially looking at the contract that he has, that's a very team friendly contract for a cornerback of his level. So you want him on your team from a talent perspective, but from the culture perspective, it gets questionable there. And so you really have to consider like with the GM that we sign that we hire is, is he going to preach culture? Like Jack Easterby is going to be, 
or is he going to be someone a little bit more aggressive kind of in the chiefs modes mindset where like, yeah, they'll, they'll deal with some off the field stuff if we get a talented player. Um, and you know, either way can work. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what, what is the correct way because either way has proven to be successful. But I think there's a, a very highly high chance that Bradley Groby is not on the Texans roster. I think I would go, I would say higher than 50%. Like, I, I think that's that's what it's looking like. I would agree, and I also I, I look at this little guy that that has had ankle surgery and nerve issues, and it makes me wonder if you can save ten million dollars by cutting Bradley Roby and signing a corner that's very similar, uh, a little bit better, and is coming off a year where he hasn't played at all for probably a much cheaper deal than ten million dollars, maybe four to five on a one year prove it deal with Gary and Conley. Hmm. I think I'd rather go down that path for four to five million and save another five with Bradley Roby and see what you got with rolling the dice with Gary on. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on the Gary and Conley train. I'm also, I'm seeing in the chat Manhattan project. He says, I see us going after William Jackson in replace of Roby. William Jackson would be my ideal guy to be the cornerback one for the Houston Texans. He is an absolute stud. Yep. Um, he was very underrated coming out of college. He, he had some injury issues early on, but he's proven himself to be a legit cornerback one. Um, and so he, he should get paid. That's the thing is like before this whole Roby thing, I didn't think William Jackson would be in our, in our grasp. But like you said, if we, if we do have that extra money, go for William Jackson, for sure. He is, he's going to be the best cornerback on the market. He would be an absolute stud. He'd be the best cornerback we had since like prime J Joe. Um, I would absolutely love him. I just don't know if we can afford a William Jackson. I don't know either, but there's, there's a lot of flexibility with the cap space, with the contracts we have. If we get the right GM, it's possible. It's possible for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. All right. Uh, I think we kind of hit on everything. Do we have do we have questions tonight? I know you were we, busy and Yeah, I shot up the tweet. Let me let me go check. I'm pretty and sure we I, have a few. I know we have one in Discord too. Let me go grab that real quick. Oh yeah. Grab that one first. I'll ask you that one. Questions for the show. All right. Well, you're looking for well, I'll wait till you're done so that way you can focus. You go for it. You go for it. I got it pulled up, but you you hit that okay. one. Okay. Okay. So uh this optimistic te- Texan in Discord, also a Patreon member. Look, I'm nowhere close to an X and O's level of football fan, but I find myself completely sold on Anthony Weaver. I like the way he defends his players and owns the ups and downs. Also, I think his persistence on promoting turnovers and practice and aggressive blitzes are going to lead to some sexy results if given the proper freedom, talent, and off season. The question. I'm sold on keeping Weaver for another season. Do you think there's a chance? Um, I'm not as optimistic as optimistic Texans fan is with Anthony Weaver just yet. Um, Just because I think like, yeah, he hasn't had a lot to work with and and yeah, he's flashed some things and he's improved over the season, but I think it's too early to say that he should for sure be coming back next year. Um, I think that we've seen some some nice things putting um, the double safety blitz. Like that was a big thing that I, that I like for sure. And, and I think he's gotten better with that stuff and being more aggressive. And we've seen a lot less of kind of Romeo Cronell tendencies out of the defense. We've seen yeah. more creativity and Rex Ryan stuff from, from Anthony Weaver recently. Um, so I like that. So I, I see where, where my guy Optimistic Texans fan is coming from. Um, but I just think it's too early to pencil his name in, especially when we don't know who the head coach is going to be, especially when we don't know who the GM is going to be and what they're going to value. And they're most likely like 99% of the time, they're going to want to bring in their own guys and they're not going to hire someone who's already on the roster. But I, I, I see where he's coming from. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, 
Okay, now getting to the questions that you guys asked me on Twitter, you can always hit me up at Texans underscore thoughts. And this one, first one comes from at he's gone finally, and he's referring to Bill O'Brien. Um, but he says, what happened to the run game? How can it go from being so good to so bad from one year to the other with literally the same offensive line and same scheme? Uh, what are you seeing with the run game struggles, James? Well, a lot of it just has to do with fundamentals and technique. You know, a, a lot of a lot of guys won't get low enough to get their pad levels right. Um, we don't really have like a mauler um, when it comes to the type of run system that we have. You know, that gap system, um, zone scheme, um, or power scheme. So, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with just the technique and the coaching. I, I really think that every single player on the on the on the offensive line has the talent to be maybe minus Fulton. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some good things for Fulton in the past, so maybe it's Fulton too. But um, I, I think the talent is there. It just all goes back to coaching. I mean, there are no holes. I mean, no holes. You know, Jordan, remember when David got hurt and Duke got, and everybody's like, oh, wow, look, at this is what a running back looks like. And then, like, not but two weeks later, like, you're seeing Duke just getting tackled four, three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, hit, you know, as soon as he gets the ball handed off to him. Um, and there's just been no adjustments uh, from the offensive line. There's been no progress either when it comes to the run game. And, you know, you have to wonder, like, is Devlin just, like, coaching pass pro? Like, is is it is it all just protect Deshaun and that's all we practice? Because, God damn, like, there are – there is nothing happening in the run game. I mean, nothing. And good for Tim Kelly for recognizing that and just fucking stepping away. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it seems like. And it, it seems that way because it's not just like it's one guy struggling on the offensive line and he's the problem. We can all blame it on him. It's the entire interior of the offensive line mainly. Um, and I've even seen some struggles out of the tackles in the run game as well. And so I, I definitely see, I, I feel you. Like I, I feel like where you're coming from, like it seems like they only preach the passing game because their fundamentals are so bad in the running game. And, and like you said, like whether it's David Johnson or Duke Johnson, like as a running back, there's only so much you can do if there's nowhere you can go. And personally, Personally, I think Duke Johnson can can make guys miss at a better rate than David Johnson can. But if you're not given the space and the time to even set up a defender to to juke them, like there's still nothing you can do. And so I think going from last year to this year, like the question was asking is like the big difference is, like you said, the drop off in the, the regression in the offensive line. And also, like Carlos Hyde is just a better scheme fit overall for the gap scheme that we're running. He is he loves to get downhill. He'll be physical. He'll run his feet. He'll get he'll fall forward for an extra yard or two. And he had a lot of examples on film where he was making guys miss and, and falling forward like that. And so there's just a disconnect right now between what the offense the play callers want to do with gap scheme and the actual personnel on the team, as well as like you mentioned, um, the coaching fundamental issues for sure. Yeah. All right. Next one, since we're on the topic, let's get to our guy, Cody Johnson. Um, and he says, offseason question, could you get similar production from Zach Fulton at center next season if we were to trade Nick Martin for a pick? Um, what do you think about that? That's interesting because Philadelphia called about Nick Martin during the trade deadline and had interest in trading for him. Um, you know, I think Fulton, before when we signed him, I could be wrong, so you guys might have to fact check me. But I believe he was the second or third highest graded center when he played center snaps for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, 
I'll be honest with you. I don't, I mean, you would get consistency from Zach Fulton. Um, I don't think it's an awful, I don't think it's an awful thing. I think, uh, I think it would make a lot of sense. It would, it would definitely free up a ton of cap. I mean, Nick Martin is, I think he's the top, either top paid or number two paid center in the league. Um, and he definitely is not worth the amount of money that he's making. Um, so I, I think it's a possibility. I think when a, when a GM comes in, I think everything is on. I think the only thing not on the table is trading Deshaun Watson. I think every other thing, if, if he's a good general manager, if he understands what he has to build and how to build it and pitches the right vision, he'll understand that Deshaun Watson, Lermie Tunsil, and Titus Howard are the only three that cannot be touched. Everything else can be moved and you can rebuild. And uh, hopefully they do it with cheap draft you know, first, second, third round draft picks and coach them up because that's what this team needs. This team needs a coach and a staff that can develop and build this team the way that the Colts did. Absolutely. Um, I definitely, I'm definitely with you. I think like, yeah, right now, like the Texans, like it seems like things are at an all time low. It seems like rock bottom has hit, but the right GM and the right head coach can most definitely steer the ship in the right direction and can most definitely get this team back to playoff success and, and even Super Bowl contention um eventually. Um but talking about Zach Fulton and Nick Martin, like people have thrown that out, like flip the two, put Nick Martin at right guard, put Fulton at center. I personally have not seen a lot of good stuff out of Fulton at center. I think like you said, it's it's worth trying, experimenting. Like this end of the season, this should be experimental season for sure. Um but I personally think like Zach Fulton is is the number one guy on offense that that has got to go. Um, so I don't have a total total lot of optimism in that working, but yeah, let's try it for sure. We got to try everything possible, like you said. Yeah. All right. Um, next one from Mark Kubeska. He asks, do you think the Texans will bring in a free agent wide receiver? And if so, who do you want? I personally would like them to see what they have on the roster first. Um, yeah. So a lot of pe people in the chat were talking about Allen Robinson from the Bears. And I think he's he's a great name for sure. He's someone who deserves to play with a better quarterback. And I think he's someone who would would possibly want to actually come for the Texans. And I know that's rare. I know it's rare for a star to actually want to come to the Texans. But I think Allen Robinson could be that guy because he wants to play with a better quarterback. He's tired of Mitch Trashcan Trubisky, and he wants and he could and he should want to play with Deshaun Watson. Um, what are your thoughts on what we do in free agency? Do we bring in a wide receiver? Is it? What type of wide receiver do you bring? Like a star guy like Allen Robinson or maybe a complimentary guy? Um, yeah. Ideally, I think the, the best case scenario is this wide receiving core is intact the way that it is currently structured. Um, Deshaun's dealt with turnover at every single position on the offense since he's come into the league. Uh, I know I keep saying the word stability, and you guys probably think of me as Bill O'Brien at this point, but uh, just with reusing words. But you need to give him some comfort. and. Yeah. While I'll say this, and this might be some considered a hot take, I think Allen Robinson is just as good as DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. I think that Allen Robinson has just played with way worse quarterbacks than De DeAndre has ever even played with. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people will always point out a list for DeAndre Hopkins and who he's played with, the Case Keenums and Tom Savage. And, you know, you everybody knows the list. They go through all those, but they tend to not do that when it comes to Allen Robinson. And we're talking about Mitch Trubisky was a starting quarterback for two and a half years. The guy can't throw an out route. He can't throw an out route. It is impossible for him to throw an accurate out route. So I actually think that Allen Robinson would be a very intriguing uh, piece. And if you do let Will Fuller walk, 
you know, you're getting a you're getting a third round pick comp most likely if he signs for the right you know the right deal. Um, and my buddy's right, and he ends up signing like a top ten deal. Um, I think Allen Robinson would be an ideal fit. He's a great route runner. He's got sure hands. He's very physical. He can attack you off the snap. Um, and he would give Deshaun um, that security blanket that he had with DeAndre. Um, but I think in, in just a better fashion, I think he's a better professional. You know, when you look at what he's dealt with, you've never seen any, you've never seen any of the issues. You've never seen any of the shade thrown. Even when he requested a trade, he walked it back and said he was wrong and that he's here for Chicago. Like that's a leader. And um, I think Allen Robinson would be dope. I just don't know if we can give, I think some other team is going to give Allen Robinson stupid money. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's going to make, I think he'll be right up there with the best of them. And I think that it's the right move for a team to do that. And I just don't think that we'll be in the cap situation to be able to do it. So if I had a choice, I'd probably like to run it back with Fuller cooks, Cobb, Kiki Coulter. Um, if you get rid of one, you know, maybe you trade Cobb, even though he just bought a home here, uh, free up that cap space and let Kiki run his final uh, rookie year deal uh at as the pure slot guy and then see what happens but that's what i would do absolutely i'm with you on that i think like like you said like if if you're choosing like if you're giving will fuller and alan robinson the same deal i think you got to pick alan robinson yeah um but they're not going to get the same money alan robinson yeah. is is borderline going to reset the market yeah. and um so yeah there's definitely that possibility i think with the wide receivers in general though like I, I feel you. I feel you on the continuity and, and stability, but I think we're just paying so much to our wide receivers that like we're paying a lot to our top three guys. And we got to think about getting at least one of them to go or, or restructuring cooks or something because we cannot be paying those three guys. And so in my opinion, I think two out of those three wide receivers, I don't know which two, but two of those three are going to stay and one guy is going to go. Um, and I think we're going to replace them with a, a complimentary wide receiver. Uh, two names that I like are, are Nelson Aguilar out of the Raiders, he's kind of revived his career there. Been a really good deep threat option for them. And then also, also Josh Reynolds out of the Rams. I think those are two guys who are going to be on the cheaper end of the scale. We can play complementary roles and where we don't have to pay a lot, them a lot of money and we can focus on the defense a little bit more. Um, yep. But yeah, I think both scenarios that we um, gave out are, are viable for success of this team in terms of the wide receivers. All right. Next one from Barry Allen, and, and we kind of got to this earlier, but like he asks, is Deshaun fully developed? Is there more that can be done for him personally to make him better? Or is it just the rest of the team and coaching that's holding him back? Uh, he also says he always seems to have a couple of dud games each season. It is why I ask. And I think he's kind of on the right point right here. He's he, I think he's kind of already answering his, his question. Is like, yeah, every every year, every season, like an elite quarterback, he's going to have one or two dud games. Like I think that's kind of just... That's just what happens when when elite defense and elite defensive coordinator they scout you out and they know your strengths and they and they just have they put together a great game plan to stop you and that just happens every once in a while and I think that these next three weeks I think one of those games at least is we're gonna see a a potential dud game I think and so with Deshaun like like we talked about earlier the only real thing that he can improve on right now is is show up against the elite defenses at a consistent rate and and you'll be in that goat conversation man and that's really it um. But yeah, is there anything real quick that you can add on or that's pretty much it, right? I mean, yeah, I, I can't. There's not much else yeah. I can really add on. I mean, he's just got to be more consistent. And I think that just comes with time and it comes with, God damn it, but the stability. It, come, it just all, yeah. it all, it all comes back to uh, those same things. So I agree 100%. All right. Um, next question from Angus Johnson. And he says, do you think we should try and pick up Jalen Strong? Uh, 
with our wide receiver needs. Jalen Strong's funny, man. Um, I remember when the year he got drafted, we took him in the third round, and, and I wanted him in the first round. That's how little I knew about football at the time. I, I thought he was like, yeah, this this is my guy. I want him in the first round. He's he's exactly who I want. Um, but I was definitely wrong about that one. And I think it's funny. I think out of spite, we should just sign all the guys that Bill O'Brien has ran out of town and just see how we how we do. Let's see it. Let's let's bring back Jalen Strong, DJ Swearinger, all those guys, and, and see what type of football team we can put together. <laughs> I think uh, you know Jalen Strong, uh, friend of the show. Um, you know, it definitely was dealt a bad hand. Uh, never was really given the opportunity to shine. Showed he had potential at times, specifically in the Colts game where he had two TDs, one on a hail mary at the end of the half. That was just nuts. Um, but. Uh, Jalen Strong has moved on from football. He's done with football. So um, he started his CBD business and it's doing really well. So uh, Jalen Strong will will not be suiting up for the Houston Texans anytime soon. Awesome. All right. Uh, one more. Martin Merrickin. Um, we, we referenced him earlier in the season, but or early in the pod, he says, who is the MVP and why is it Deshaun Watson? And, and you know, we're, I don't think we even have an, a great answer for this one, but I'm just going to say to check out his article. He He's a writer for Toro Times. Um, he put together a great article where great article. He, he literally, I, I was DMing with him and, and he was talking to me like he literally hand tracked um, every single game of Deshaun Watson and every single snap and, and charted when his passes happened. And when like, basically he was trying to um, attack the, the argument of like, Oh, Deshaun's stats are, they just happen in garbage time. And so he's got some great stats for you in that article talking about how like his passing attempts, they aren't just coming in garbage time. They aren't just coming in the fourth quarter no. um, and when there's trailing. And then he references it in comparison to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Patrick Mahomes, the other maybe top MVP candidates. And so he, he put together a great um, argument there. So definitely check that out. Um, and then last one, you know, Pat Storm, he says, can you bring me some soup? Uh, just hope, no. hope you're doing all, all good, Pat. I um, uh, hope you feel better soon for sure. But yeah. I guess James says no soup for you. No, I feel better though. Feel better. Stay away <laughs> from the kids. Stay away from your beautiful kids and your wife, and uh, and just uh, isolate and and just deal with it like the rest of America has now. Okay, it's not a pity party anymore. <laughs> um, hey, last thing, you see these these Niners fans? Have you seen this? Oh my! I didn't even think that was real. I no, saw. I've seen it a couple times on on Twitter. I'm like, this cannot be real, dude. It's not real. It's just funny though when you think about it. But like, um. So remember, do you remember on Slack, like, I don't know, I think it was maybe like a month and a half ago, whenever Bill O'Brien was fired, do you remember me saying that a team in, in the West called about Deshaun Watson? I think I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it was yeah. the Niners. And the Niners called about Deshaun Watson. And they were told he's not available. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I don't That's know it. where. I have, big deal. I have no idea why people think that anybody would trade Deshaun Watson to the San Francisco 49ers. Not that I wouldn't love to see him play for Kyle Shanahan, because if there were two people I would like to be connected, uh, Kyle Shanahan and Deshaun Watson would be an incredible duo, uh, but not to risk him not being on the Texans. It's just not worth it. No, so, but I definitely love I, having a quarterback that every other fan base wants and wants yeah. to trade for it. I love that finally being in that position <laughs> and, and not being on the other side of the of the spectrum where I want a good quarterback finally. So yeah, we're definitely blessed to have him as yeah. the face of our franchise, but yeah, that's Absolutely. it for the questions. Uh, thank you guys. Always hit me up on Twitter, hit James up on Twitter and, and the entire Texans unfiltered team.
Yeah, no, you pretty much summed it up. Make sure you guys go to uh, Texans Thoughts YouTube channel as well. Make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe. Doing a lot of things for his members too. Make sure you guys sign up for that. Uh, it's it's a, a cheap. I think two ninety nine. Right? Is that what I pay a month? Yeah, three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Uh, three ninety nine for exclusive videos and and breakdowns. You also get input in the Discord to be able to really kind of tell him what you're looking for, what videos you would like to see him be made. So look at Jacob showing up. Nice to show up at the end, Jacob. Good to see you, dude. Um, yeah, uh, make sure you guys go to Texans Thoughts YouTube. Go to TexansUnfiltered.com. Uh, Jordan's writing more. Jair's writing more. Uh, I'm writing more, so that's great. Um, and I, all of you guys stay safe. I hope you guys enjoyed a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, enjoy these times. Uh, the year's almost over, guys. And we're going to get through the rest of the season, and then we'll get through 2020. And we'll be looking at uh, a brighter future for everybody. So we'll catch you guys next week. Outside of that, with Texans Unfiltered, I'm James signing off. We'll see you next week.